Buenos and half a day, everyone. I'm Kate Baltazar Dodge. I'm a certified advanced grief recovery specialist, and uh, I'm super happy to be back. I'd like to welcome you all back uh, to One with Grief. Um, super thanks to uh, KUAM for uh, allowing uh, me and inviting me to uh, come back and, uh, and do this podcast about grief. In our first podcast, we talked a little bit about the what and why of grief. What grief is, what grief isn't, why should I tackle my grief? And a lot of that has to do, as we seg into this, uh, this episode's topic, and that is the myths surrounding grief. And by myths, I don't mean like um, what we think grief is and what we think grief isn't, right? Uh, we established that. The myths of grief surround the ways that we cope with grief or the ways that society thinks we should cope with grief, right? And a lot of that has to do with the way well-intentioned, well-meaning people, right, try to get us to overcome our grief quickly. Because again, grief is uncomfortable. No one wants to talk about this. No one wants to, no one really understands or is fully comfortable with a grieving person. And oftentimes they say well-intentioned things that are just filled with misinformation, right? They're well-intentioned, misinformed. And as I'm going through my notes here, and as I was going through the beginning of this podcast, um, I mean, the, the, my notes before the beginning of this podcast, that is, uh, I looked at all of these and I thought to myself, I don't know one person that has not experienced uh, being told or been given this advice on grief. And um, it's astounding. And, all, and a lot of these, will sound so familiar to you as someone who is a griever, okay? And uh, I'm going to pull these notes up because uh, as we're, whoopsies, as we're, um, as we're going through them, you're going to find a lot of parallels uh, with the grief events in your life. So let's get started. So one of the first ones is... There are six major myths, right? The first one, don't feel bad. So you're telling me, I just lost my job. I just broke up with my significant other. I lost my parent. And you want me to not feel bad? That doesn't make any sense, does it? When people say, oh, don't feel bad. They're in a better place. Um, yes, that is, might be true. Whatever your belief system is, right? But again, that's a lot of what we were taught growing up. Um, that is a lot of what we learned uh, from the people around us. And we're continuously told don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. You were too good for him. Don't feel bad. You'll, 
find another job. Don't feel bad. You'll get another dog. It's just a dog. You know, if somebody's dog died. <clears throat> it's totally contrary to what your true feelings are, contrary to your emotional truth. People want you to function in life contrary to your emotional truth. Your emotional truth is absolutely you feel bad. And you know what? It's okay. But we hear that a lot, right? We're told that a lot. Don't feel bad. <clears throat> I don't know how they want us to feel, to be quite honest. Um, and in grief recovery, we absolutely encourage you to speak your emotional truth and honor that space and be in those feelings when you have to be in those feelings. And that's why you have the tools is because you're not stuck in those feelings. You break out those tools and you're on your way. <clears throat> okay. So don't feel bad. The next one is replace the loss. We are taught this from a very young age, right? We're playing with our cousins or our friends, the kids down the street. Somebody takes our toy. Don't cry. Stop crying, girl. We'll buy you another toy. But so-and-so broke my toy. <clears throat> it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll just get another toy. Let him have it. Um, it's a wonder why when we go through grief events in our lives that we try to replace those holes in our hearts with other things. We might really be trying to replace that loss and that is a totally unhealthy behavior because what do we replace it with, right? The things that are undesirable things to replace loss with, <laughs> which is a another future podcast. Um, but the second myth of grief is replace the loss, right? There's other fish in the sea. Don't worry about it. It's his loss. It's her loss. Never mind him. You'll find another boyfriend. You're young, you know, whatever the isms are that they tell you, right? That's a myth. That's absolutely a myth. Um, and it's a way to shuffle you through your grief without, without processing it properly. The third myth of grief is grieve alone. <clears throat> I'm going to share with you guys right now. Um, I'm going to be speaking my emotional truth. And that is uh, for many people who know me, I um, in my mid 20s and uh, my first marriage, I lost three premature baby boys. And um, a lot of. A lot of when you're in your 20s, you know, is it, it's 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 a, such a tumultuous time or can be. And then, um, you know, you're building your career, you're doing, you know, all these things to build your life and build your family. And no one expects to lose an infant. You know, no, no mom uh, or expectant mom expects to lose their infant. <clears throat> you know, six months into the pregnancy or seven months into the pregnancy like mine, um, because you're so focused on like building, growing life right inside of you. And then suddenly that life ends. And then 
obviously you're grieving. You're grieving the loss of your child. You're, you're grieving the loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations, right? Um, and I'll go into that a little bit, but grieving alone was something that I was told to do because um, people around me, obviously they said, you know, you have to be strong. You have to be strong for your family. You have to be strong for yourself, you know, um, and don't show anybody. Be strong is actually the next one, but uh, grieve alone. If you're going to cry, go to your room, just let it all out and then fix your face and come back. Because again, it's that avoidance. It's that uncomfortableness that people feel um, because no one feels comfortable around grief. Grief isn't normal. You know, and how we're able to normalize grief in the same way we normalize joy, right? How how contradictory is it that we're able to normalize joy and normalize being with people while they're in moments of joy, yet we aren't really that good at normalizing being with people who are in grief. And so Oftentimes, grievers naturally will isolate themselves and then they're asked to grieve alone. Um, the next one is be strong. Be strong for yourself and others. I touched on this just a few minutes ago. Um, who's being strong for you? You know, let's say you lose a parent, right? And they're saying you need to be strong for your brothers, your sisters, etc. You need to be strong for enter living parent here, right? Be strong for your mom. She's going to really be suffering. Absolutely. Absolutely. No one is ever taking that away. No one is saying that you shouldn't emotionally support those around you. But it's just like when you're, it's just like when you're um, on a plane, right? And they tell you um, when they do the emergency briefing, right? And they tell you, Put your oxygen mask on first before you help someone else. So you can't be rendering aid, being strong for other people. And yet here you are suffering in your grief, right? It doesn't have to be that way. And that is why this is a myth. That is why be strong is a myth. Because while you're putting your emotional needs aside, and trying to be emotionally supportive to others, you are, you are not giving yourself the emotional oxygen you need to be there for others. Keep busy. Alrighty. So we do this a lot anyway in society. And if there are moms out there who are listening, moms are like, yep, I'm busy enough. And what happens after a big grief event, right? Let's say, um, you lose your spouse or um, you were in a breakup, you know, I know you ladies out there, what do they start doing? Working out, working more. Um, I know that from my own personal experience, uh, when I was going through uh, the death of uh, my sons, my baby sons, um, I just took on all this work. I just threw myself into work and it was a way to distract me from feeling my feelings of grief. Like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to, to 
I don't want to um, confront, let alone process these feelings of grief. So I took on more projects. I'm coordinating all these things and I'm volunteering to write these grants and we're doing accreditation and, you know, all the things, organizing the the organization's retreat. I'm, um, you know, doing these reports and I'm just taking it all on because it's a distraction. If I think of all these things, I will not have to think about the things that are causing me grief. And that is unfortunately the advice we get, again, from well-intentioned but misinformed people. They say, just keep busy, girl. You know, just keep busy. Just keep yourself busy. Well, keeping yourself busy is good. You know, you don't want to be latent or dormant or stuck. Um, but you also want to be very careful because you don't want to be in a place where you're so busy and you're not, again, you're not living in your emotional truth. You're setting it aside thinking that everything's going to be okay. But guess what? All the things that you're doing to keep busy eventually will run out. Weeks, months, years later, but your grief will still be there. Your grief is still there. Um, and so what do you do then? <clears throat> the last one is just give it time or time heals all wounds. We've all heard this before, haven't we? Time heals all wounds. Just give it time. In the last uh, podcast, we talked about the analogy of the flat tire. If you're driving along and suddenly you get a flat tire, say you're speeding down Route 1 by Polaris Point in PD, right? Just gunning it. And suddenly, which I never do, by the way, Mr. Officers, uh, you, you're gunning it and all of a sudden you get a flat tire. So now you're pulled over, right, on the side of the road. Would you just sit there and let time pass? Watch just staring at that tire? Staring at the tire. Time is absolutely going to pass. That is certain. But if you don't take charge, if you don't take action, nothing is going to help you resolve your grief. No amount of time passing is going to fix that flat tire if you just sit there and allow time to pass. It's what you do in the time that is passing that helps you overcome your feelings of grief and loss. And so these are the things that we are often, we're often, um, we're often indoctrinated with, you know, I know that's a hard word, but it's the things that we are raised with. It's the nuances that we pick up from those around us. And while, I mean, inherently, they're not things that are bad and right or wrong. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is it isn't about judgment as much as it is about unlearning and relearning and recognizing these things that not only prolong your grief, but exacerbate them. That's the key here as we're talking about the myths of grief. 
these are the, the, the things that we are told, which lead us to practice behaviors that prolong our grief and or exacerbate, make our grief worse. We don't want worse. We want better, don't we? We want to get on the other side. And it's often like we hear, you can't go under it. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You got to go through. Through it is the only way. And by doing all these things, trying to replace the loss, um, trying to grieve alone, just trying to give it time, just being strong, just keeping busy, trying not to feel bad. Those may work for a short time, certainly. But until you actually confront your grief, the source of your grief, the grief events that are causing your feelings of grief and loss, you're going to keep circling back to the same spot. Okay? So I really wanted to touch on that today because I know that many of us, if not all of us, have experienced one, two, three, four, all six of these myths of grief. And it's important that we recognize them. It's important that um, we recognize them in ourselves. And it's also important that we don't perpetuate them, right? We have a thing in grief recovery that we call BS. It's not the thing you're talking about. It's belief system. It's the belief system that you have. Again, going back to what are the things that were learned? What are the things that were passed down to us? What are the things that we were told? We weren't given a choice. We were told that this is the way you handle grief. But I think it's important for us to understand and reevaluate if these things are serving us. Are they serving our emotional truth? Are they bringing us to a place where we're living better and productive lives? Better and more productive lives. So the other side of that is the reason why it's important to talk about these myths is so that we do not perpetuate the myths ourselves. Ah, so it's not just about us, right? It's about our children. It's about our spouses, our significant others. It's about our family members and helping them to understand that these myths do not serve anyone's emotional truth. They don't. They're like a Band-Aid, a Band-Aid over a machete wound. So these are the things that we do not want to perpetuate and we don't want to tell others to do. Because it's hard, you know, to know what to say. Uh, my, when I took the advanced certification class for the grief recovery method, one of my trainers was, was um, this amazing lady who I still keep in touch with and email every now and again. Her name is Laura Jack, and she wrote this book called The Compassion Code. And a lot of it is centered on what to do and say 
to people when bad things happen, right? And how do we create more compassionate spaces in our world? Um, so I highly recommend it, by the way. <laughs> um, it, you can search it up online, but it really opened my eyes to the alternatives. And the grief recovery method opens your eyes to the alternatives of doing these myths. None of this serves anybody's emotional truth. I will say it again till I'm blue in the face. None of these myths, none of this advice that you give to others or tell yourself serve your emotional truth. There's no way you can tell me. Just giving it time. Don't feel bad. Replace the loss. Um, I'm going to get kind of real here for a moment. Um, I have a, I had a um, client who is um, kind of young-ish and um, was a member of a military uh, special forces group. I'll just say that. Um, and he realized that um, one, he's a bachelor and in his 40s and um, was wondering why he had this inability to sustain relationships. And he realized that his biggest myth that he was living out in his life was replacing the loss. So he became like a serial date, dater, you know, he would just like go out with girls, go out with a girl, dump her, move on to the next girl, which is fairly easy for him. I mean, he's, you know, decent guy. And I think, you know, decent looking and nice, good job, you know, would be a catch. But that was what he was living out. He was living out, replace the loss. He never got over certain losses of relationships in his life. And he was living this out by trying to replace that one key relationship that he lost by serial dating. Not like as in Frosted Flakes, okay guys? Not C-E-R-E-A-L. Like serial, meaning sequentially and one after the other. And he, uh, it wasn't until he was in this program with me that he realized, this is what I'm doing. This is exactly what I'm doing. And you may say, well, duh, anyone could have told you that. You know, you don't have to be an advanced certified grief recovery specialist. But you know what? It's true. Maybe he just never had the tools. He never had the tools to unravel that. It's one thing to like hear that from your friends or your parents, right? But when you actually do it yourself and you dismantle the things that you thought you knew, that you realize these things about yourself. And so it was a very powerful moment for him. And it was a very powerful and privileged moment for me to watch this. Um, so I think most people know, uh, on Guam that I am in the corporate world now 
And uh, I'm super happy to be there. I'm super happy to be where I'm at. And on the flip side of that is I'm super privileged to be able to do this work still. I'm, I find it such an honor. I know that sounds so cliche, right? It's such an honor to be here. It's such an honor to do this work. But for me, I take it seriously um, because by virtue of you being a human being, you are a griever. We're all grievers. We're all grieving something to varying degrees. One of the things that we, one of the tenets of grief recovery we always talk about is not to compare losses, right? Um, I had two clients who were grieving the loss of their dad and um, they were brother and sister. And clearly the way they were grieving even the same person was so starkly different. So we never compare losses even when grieving the same person or the same event. Um, we just had, um, uh, during the 20th anniversary of 9-11, I think that all the thousands of family members left behind, right? And when they talk about their grief, it's the same event that took their loved one. But I think that there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of ways that they grieved this event and grieve the loss of their loved one. So we don't compare losses. Um, everyone is unique in their grief, like a, like a fingerprint. And so it's important that each person learns the tools and applies them to the grief that they're experiencing in their life. And so my absolute, I don't want to call it joy, and it's not even about me. Like, that's kind of the thing that I don't want anyone to get the impression of is that I'm just doing this for my own satisfaction. Absolutely. It's something that I feel uh, a wellness about is helping others to reach a state of healing, being able to heal hearts. Um, and I believe it's truly my life's purpose. No matter what I'm doing in the world, um, I'm absolutely going to be doing this because this is my calling and being able to watch people, um, the transformation as we go through the program, um, the, the revelations that they have about themselves, sad ones, happy ones, you know, um, and that, that is why the grief recovery method also isn't for everyone. Because it is hard work. I know I always say this a lot. Heart work, working on your heart, heart work is hard work. Um, but they feel super de duper fulfilled afterwards. Um, so as we're going along and talking about um, these myths of grief, um, really take stock of yourself, um, your feelings. Uh, what do you advise of others? What do you share? What are the belief systems? What's the BS that you pass along? What is it? Are you passing that along to your siblings? Are you passing that along to your children? Do they serve your emotional truth? Do they allow you to honor that emotional truth? 
Um, those are the things we should be asking ourselves and really taking, taking these things to heart. Um, because the more that we can perpetuate um, healthy processing of feelings and normalizing grief, the way we normalize joy, um, I, think the, I think that the community, the world would just be that much better um, and that much more emotionally intelligent. Uh, we often don't know it. And clearly, again, I'm going to say it's through no fault of our own. No fault of our own. When we were kids, you know, we were taught and raised a certain way. But as adults, um, and certainly in this time, in these times that we live in, we have to ask ourselves, uh, how can we do better? How can we be better? Not just for ourselves, um, for our families and uh, for our children. Thanks so much, everyone, uh, for sticking around. Uh, this has just been an absolute pleasure. Um, I, I just can talk about this stuff all the live long day because, again, it's very close to my heart. Healing Hearts is very, very close to me and, uh, and my life's work. So um, I urge you, um, speak your emotional truth. Live your emotional truth. And, um, you know, don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. It's through no fault of, of anyone's. Just give yourself a big hug and honor that space. Give yourself that grace. And um, we get better day by day. I'm Kate Baltazar Dodge. I'm an advanced grief recovery specialist. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Until next time on One with Grief.